two wizards. Two wizards? Two wizards. Two wizards. I'm actually really looking forward to um, class next week. Okay. Uh, not only because we get Thursday off for Veterans Day, so that'll be nice to like have a little break, you know, kind of take take the foot off the accelerator a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are also in this theater history course. Tuesday is going to be Bunraku and Kabuki Day. Oh, nice. And I am so excited. Um, instead of like having them read a play, because and that's been one of the like main points this whole semester, is how how uh, uh, proper, how valid is it in a theater history course just to read scripts? Because mm-hmm. like theaters, all the other stuff, it's like the it's the voice and the costumes and the dance, like dancing. Almost all these like forms of theater had some sort of dance element to it. Oh, damn. Um, and, and so and so yeah, for Bunraku and and Kabuki. And in fact, I just like finished putting these up uh, this morning. I was like, okay, yeah, kids, here's here's a bunch of videos. Go go watch, just watch these Bunraku performances. And I know for like the first five minutes, you're gonna be like, oh, puppets. But then like ten minutes in, you're gonna get hooked, and it'll be great. It'll be great. <laughs> it's that weird little like you've got to get through the first ten minutes of the weird and then embrace it, and then yeah. you're like, oh, this is super cool. One of my favorite, and I'm going to change uh, uh, genres here, but one of my favorite books of all time, uh, The Age of Innocence mm-hmm. by uh, Edith Wharton, right? Yeah, yeah. The first like chapter and a half, I was like, what the hell is this? They're just at an opera, and oh, who's in this booth? And why are, why should I care about these people? Ugh. And then I swear, but like page 18, I was hooked. Yeah. And it's it's an incredible book. So yeah, go go read The Age of Innocence by Age of Innocence. Everybody. Okay. <laughs> just but again, just know that the first like as soon as they get out of the opera in that clumsy exposition although I probably should reread it and be like, Oh, that's what she was going for. That ah, I gotcha. <laughs> but um Oh, it's so good. So good. <laughs> I just finished uh The Shining and it's like the third time I've read it, but yeah. I got. I like to do a Stephen King book every Halloween because I'm a nerd like that. And oh yeah, yeah. man, it's weird. I, Shining's a lot like Moby Dick, where like you're a different person every time you read it. Because the first time I was like, "This isn't scary." Second time I was like, "Okay, ooky spooky." And I'm like, "Oh fuck, I'm just Jack, aren't I?" Okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, my those are my favorite uh, books. Or those are my favorite movies. Where yeah, like you watch it each time and you pick up something new. And part of that is to you just get older and have more and different life experiences, hopefully. Yeah. And yeah, like things resonate to you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, man. And then going completely from like the like highbrow. Well, and even that's not exactly accurate, but like from Bunraku and Kabuki to the age of innocence. <laughs> every time I read Tim Allen's first uh, autobiography, don't stand too close to a naked man. Yeah. <laughs> even that I was like, holy cow. I yeah. Now that my hair's like falling out and my knees ache all the time, and I just want to <laughs> sit in a comfy chair and watch sports all day, it's like God, this is this is incredible. When I first read this in third grade, there's no way I could have like related to what was going on. You read this, there's like there's no naked people in here at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh golly. 
Well, speaking well, of things that, you know, you revisit and it's different every time and it's weird for the first mm. 10 minutes, but then you really get into it at minute 18. <laughs> Welcome back to the Two Wizards podcast. My name is Mark brilliant. and I am a wizard. That was a brilliant, brilliant intro. My name is Josh. <laughs> I'm a wizard. Well, and, and yes, welcome indeed. Um, hope that uh, hope that as uh, November is setting in and the chilly season uh, is upon us, I we hope that you're staying warm in your Wizards Towers. We're staying warm here, and uh, yeah, just man, just another just another great occasion to get together and get get silly. Yeah, hell yeah, and this is a. This is a super special episode. I wrote this episode, Josh, back in July. No, I will, and I was also going to vouch that, um, and I, I even put it. I think you even told me to put it in my calendar. But yeah, yeah it was like back in July. You said, "Oh yeah," and by the way, November seventh. Don't worry, I have that episode prepped. Yep. And uh, and then, so yeah, like I put it in my phone like like four months ago, <laughs> and like the the buildup has, and and then also. Uh, also, uh, uh, earlier this week, you texted me, hey, get this for your Wizards Chalice. I was like, okay, I can do that too. And so I'm, I I know that in the past we've had this weird uh, way or trend to sort of uh, intuit what the other is going to talk about or what their next point is going to be. But honestly, I have no clue. I have no clue what you have Nothing in store, but I'm, but I'm super stoked because I know this has been some time coming. Well, let's lay some clues real quick. So I guess first we could just start this. Josh, what is in your wizard's chalice? What did I ask you to prepare for tonight? You asked uh, me, and I would imagine you made one for yourself too. Oh, no, uh, I'm just yeah, drinking water. I'm, you get drunk. Yeah. I need to be straight. I need to be straight for this one. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Josh. <laughs> I just started going to AA, so uh, I've given myself up to a high. Yeah, but, um, no drink November. No drink November. Oh, man. You want to talk about like worst, like one of the worst holidays to do that, but oh my uh, God, yeah. or yeah, months, no months, I guess. Uh, but but Six anyway, period. to the point. You asked me to prepare a dark and stormy, which, uh, dear listeners, if you've never had this before, if you've never heard of this before, it is basically a Moscow Mule, uh, but instead of vodka, it's dark rum. And so yes, I, I made me like a double, maybe yeah. even a triple, depending on how you count it. <laughs> Uh, it's sitting here in a big uh, mason jar, and uh, oh, I when the Mrs. Wizard, as she does, goes out and uh, uh, gathers all the ingredients, she got a special edition bottle of the Kraken. Oh, hot um, shit! And I took a picture of the label, sort of like before, and then in in the middle of making this drink, uh, but it's specifically the Kraken attacks Ohio. <laughs> Oh, that's and so appropriate. So, oh, shit, that's so appropriate. Awesome. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, here, here it is. Oh, the stars know, have baby. aligned. The stars oh. have aligned. And so, and so yeah, uh, uh, I got that. And then um, this is uh, Gosling's ginger beer. Okay. And it, this is honestly one of the best ginger beers that I've had. Uh, not Because we did, what did we do? We did something earlier with ginger beer. We've done a couple Was with it? ginger beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done it mules might have been a Moscow before. mule. We did, yeah. we did mules for our twelve drinks of Christmas. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, but but and some of the those other ones have been too sweet or not or not enough ginger. But no, this is this is like on the mark. So I know from now on, for all of my mules and darks and stormies and all that, um, Gosling's ginger beer. See, that's interesting. I think Go- I think Gosling is a little too light and a little bit too sweet. But cool. Mm. 
that's me though. I like I kind of like my ginger beer to like kind of kick me in the teeth a little bit, but yeah. Oh okay, okay. Yeah, I'm well, doing well, well, uh, Burnett's yeah. ginger beer. It, it comes in like the barrel bottles. Oh, I think I've seen those, but I don't know if I've ever. I'm a big them. fan of Cock and Bull, and I'm also a big fan of Seward's, and I could not find either one of those. Also. If I might be the oldest I've ever been on this goddamn show, how expensive mm-hmm. is ginger beer anymore? A four-pack is eight bucks? I, Jesus Christ, you could buy a decent six-pack for that. Like, Yeah, no, it's 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 a, it's a sham. Yeah. It, it's a sham. It's and also, point of shame. order, on your Dark mm-hmm. and Stormy, I've, you've made me Dark and Stormies, and they're they're weirdly beautiful. Listeners, these things are a work of oh, art. Yeah. I made mine tonight. It looks like iced tea with ice cubes in it. How do you do yours? Do you put the rum in first? Do you put the ginger beer in first? What do you do with that one? So, so for, for, for me, I've actually heard it a couple ways. I think the proper way to do it is you do the ginger beer first and then like, it's more than just a float, but then you put the rum on top so mm-hmm. that it's like the kind of, uh, like super dark yeah, stormy like storm sky. Clouds. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, I, I, I think that's like tradition. Uh, this one, I did the opposite. I did the rum first and then added the ginger beer on top and then i even this is probably like a sin um i even like kind of stirred it up to make sure it's nice and mixed oh i uh, definitely stirred uh, mine up that's the last thing we need is for me like take a drink as i punctuate yeah. a point and choke on straight cracking or something like <laughs> yeah right 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 so uh well and then this is the other thing too i um i this is on me this is not on, on the misfits wizard this is on me i thought we had some limes still at the house mm. but we didn't and I know, like, like the lime is uh, another crucial component of a dark and stormy. So I dropped the ball there. Um, do you have limes with you? Or? I I do not. I honestly forgot that limes were a part of it. And then when you said it's like a Moscow oh, okay. mule, I panicked. Like I don't have lemon and lime, but nah, it'll be fine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 again, it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. Fine. So um, so so yeah. And then um, I guess yeah. Uh, I guess I just. Now my mind is just completely ablaze with possibilities. Like, what could this limited edition, um, <laughs> the Kraken attacks Ohio uh, uh, bottle? What could this? What could this have to do? But as I'm thinking about that, um, gonna have a nice re- refreshing sip here. Yeah, cheers. Here's on you, Mark. Cheers. Mm. Bit too much Kraken. Wow. Ooh, I was trying ooh. to get that darker look and mm, okay, I understand now. Okay. <laughs> all right. That's what being a good wizard is all about is trial and test, test, and test again. Now we know not Okay. So okay. Good to know. Good to know. There you go. There you go. Not, I, I, I it's not undrinkable. Like, it's it's pretty damn smooth, but whew. Yeah, but still it's it's a lot. It's a lot. I, I think um I think most mixed drinks are supposed to be like one to two or one to three. That's how I did. Yeah. In my like giant in my giant again, I'll you'll you'll see the picture. Uh what is this? Like twenty two ounce um mason jar. Oh, you're in it to win it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like six six ounces of Kraken, <laughs> one twelve ounce can of uh ginger beer. So yeah, I'm I'm feeling good. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. All right. I can't I can't take it anymore, Mark. This the buildup has been immense. I need some sweet, sweet release, and you're the only person who can give it to me. As well, a wizard does. As a wizard does. What are we what are we talking about, man? Well, about a year ago, Josh, you blew my goddamn mind open. Um Okay. You had had a very special beer in your wizard's goblet, wizard's chalice, whatever it is. One of these days I'll get that right too, but not tonight. <laughs> well, it goes back and forth, yeah. It was a commemorative beer, something that was special to the Great Lakes region. 
Um, it was the beer named after the namesake of a ship, the Edmund Fitzgerald. <gasps> that kicked That's an right. in my head. We found out that the ship sank on November 10th in 1975, 76. And uh, it always stuck with me. And so, Josh, I went down mm-hmm. a rabbit hole. And tonight was going to be just exclusively the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And it's not that anymore. Tonight we're going to talk about shipwrecks on the Great Lakes and how insane they are and how <gasps> terrible people are. But don't worry, baby, because Edmund Fitzgerald is in there too. We're doing Great Lakes shipwrecks yes. tonight. That's okay. No, that is that is that is brilliant. That is wonderful. And uh, well, and and even um, so, this was this was last weekend when we were recording, uh, mm-hmm. and I mentioned right at the very end that uh, uh, I had my dad and and uh, his wife come 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 to visit. Oh yeah. And being a good uh, host, tried to get a variety of like local things to eat and drink, and what did we get? A variety pack from Great Lakes Brewing Company. And just just last night, just last night, I had myself another Edmund Fitzgerald Porter. So <laughs> it was it was all in front of me. It's been in front of me this entire time. I just I just didn't I just didn't put all the pieces together. And so yeah, between that and the Kraken attacks Ohio, Kraken attacks and Ohio, the one year anniversary. So this is this is absolutely worth uh, the the four year. <laughs> no, not four years. Jesus. <laughs> I'm already, I'm already like losing myself here. Good, okay, all right. Good. The four months. Okay, so wrecks on the Great Lakes. Brilliant. Great Lakes shipwrecks. Um, also, this is super appropriate because a lot of my sources, they focus around literally this week of the month. Like mm. this week of November, the, the first week in November is amazed, is somehow just like I'm super deadly on the Great Lakes. It all really mm. fell into place. Also, shout out to the girl at the liquor store who asked what we were doing tonight, and I told her, and she wrote the name down, so we got a listener there, and then... Oh, sweet. Also, if I may, this episode is dedicated to my mom. It'll be out on her birthday, November 10th, so happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday, indeed. I'm sorry uh, that it's yeah. such a terrible, tragic subject. I <laughs> So I wrote this. I wrote the Edmund Fitzgerald bit back in July, and then I mm-hmm. kind of went down another rabbit hole, and then I got another book. And so my finished, my final draft of this episode was finished like, uh, fr- it was last night. It was it was last night about eleven p.m. Right. And okay. yeah, I'm real excited. I've got it. This might be my sourciest source of episodes. And real quick, I'm going to rattle those off. Um, first off, mm-hmm. we have November's Fury by Michael Schumacher, LakeFury.com, TwinCities.com, The Cornfield Meat Podcast. Uh, Wikipedia, of course, EPA.gov, and globalchange.gov. No one can accuse us of not being thorough or just like, oh, you just did like internet research. Like, no, like Mark Mark bought books. He has books now. People. Dude, November's so. Fury is super good. If you got time to read a book about like a fucking okay. storm, it's it, it's it's worth it. Um, I'm I also for I'm the first time ever. Myself. Yeah, first time ever, Josh. I have a glossary of terms for us as like a preload. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So, um, and these are, I'm going to be using these all night long, and I figured it'd just be easiest to get these off right at the top. So first we have um, net registered tonnage, or NRT. That's how much cargo a ship can carry. Then uh, GRT is gross registered tonnage. That's the total weight of a ship. Mm -hmm. Um, The bow is the front of the ship. The stern is the back of the ship. And then the port is the left of the ship if you're facing the bow, and the starboard is the right of the bow. Or the right, yeah, yes. the right side of the ship if you're facing forward towards the front of the ship. And finally, capsize means to flip upside down. Right. Yep. Right, right. 
So I guess we'll just start it here. I'm, I'm really nervous for this. Like I've prepped it and I'm just like, oh God, okay, here we go. It's time. Uh, starting very briefly with just like, Josh, holy God, are the Great Lakes fucking insane? Yeah. The system, they, so, the size, the complex. You live there. Do you spend, yeah, do you I, ever get out that way or? Yeah. So, so I am in Columbus, which is like central Ohio. And then Cleveland is like a two hour drive. Okay. Uh, we have a really good friend, uh, the Mrs. Wizards, uh, really good friend and uh, former roommate uh, in college and then after college is from Cleveland. And so, yeah, we've been up there oh, probably a dozen times or so to, to, to visit to, to visit our friend or even just to drive up and, and go hang out. They have a pretty sweet um, museum of art that's free. You okay. just, just like pay for parking and go in there. Uh, and then, yes, I've been... Uh, I've, I have, I've seen, uh, Lake Erie granted. It hasn't been like in November during like the furious parts, but even then, like, even in like June, uh, if the wind whips up, um, yeah, you you can get some pretty, pretty decent size, size, uh, uh, waves there, like crashing into the breakers. Well, and, and I guess the other thing that, that I'll say too is like, uh, uh, I think you mentioned the EPA, as one of your sources? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I, I also know that um, they've been doing a lot of work to, like, clean up the Great Lakes and the rivers and all that. They even kind of, like, cleaned up a little uh, uh, beach beach kind of area. It's called, like, like beach, beach water? Okay. What is that? Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, like, you, you can just go hang out there and... Uh, no, Edgewater. That's what it is. Edgewater. Uh, and so, yeah, they cleaned up like, I don't know, maybe like a m- half a mile, mile of, okay. uh, of a, a beach there. So you can like, yeah, go listen to music and go hang out. But even then they get super stressed out. Like, don't go too far out in the water because shit gets crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I learned one thing in this like span of research and it said, man, I really want to go to the Great Lakes. And also, man, I really want to stay as far away from the Great Lakes as humanly possible. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure that here in safe-ass landlocked Colorado, I'm okay, but I'm not quite yes. sure. Right, yeah, that's just it. That's just it. Yeah. So real quick, um, the Great Lakes, they account for 84% of North America's fresh water. That's insane. They also that's hold wild. 21% of the world's fresh water. The biggest lake ah, in the world we've talked before is Lake Baikal up there in Siberia. But whatever, we're not going there. Uh, the deepest yeah. depth is uh, superior. It goes down to 1,332 feet deep, which is pretty nuts. Uh, the, the, the overall area of the water is 94,000 square miles. It's got 10,000 square miles of shoreline with 35,000 islands throughout the entire system. That's, oh my God. That's crazy. Shitload of islands. Yeah, like, and I was even that's reading, crazy. like, we're still discovering stuff in it. Like, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, there's a thing called Superior Shoal that they found in like the 80s, and essentially it's an under it's a submerged mountain. Like <laughs> Mount Blanca might as well be you know between 22 and 120 feet underwater in certain spots. Like it's it's insane. That's crazy. Uh, the Great Lakes formed about 14,000 years ago during the last glacial maximum. The Laurentide Ice Sheet pushed off the Canadian Shield Range down those mountains. And just started dipping and digging. And you know what a slut I am for glaciers. And this isn't yep. so much a glacier as it is just like a juggernaut of ice. And it digs yep. out this shit. And it's deepest up north. And then it kind of peters out. So like up there by Erie. Erie's the shallowest and smallest of the lakes. 
but that's because that's where the ice sheet was like it was at its very very limit but still it it dug all that shit out effectively the great lakes are an inland sea we should call them an inland sea they might as well be but the only hang-up is it's a fresh water and you have to have salt water for an inland sea well whatever (laughs) (laughs) the great lakes are so huge that they not only affect the weather around them they hold their own weather systems Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the the weather on the Great Lakes is the same type of weather you can find out on open ocean, like anywhere in the ocean. Okay, so technically the Great Lakes will they do not get hurricane systems because you don't have the type of the right type of weather mix, but they do have a thing called a white hurricane, which is basically mm-hmm. a snow hurricane. Yeah, I well and and uh just also uh I have I, I've not experienced one myself, but again, talking to our friend and talking to others kind of from the region. Um, yeah, the the lake effect, as they call it, mm-hmm. um, just produces crazy amounts of snow over the winter. You you do you just gotta like bundle up and just like okay, like shit's gonna get iced over like a foot and a half of ice <laughs> and snow, and uh, so I better buy all my like spam and white bread and toilet paper now and yes. just and just and just prepare for it yeah yeah you don't even want you don't even want to mess with it as far as i am understanding all of this stuff like and just like right this is a weirdly like it's a weirdly like paulus dana episode in that like man the fact that humans there were natives on the great lakes but obviously they did not have you know steam power whatever but like man the fact that we that we even bothered to try and conquer them and sort of kind of have conquered them but really not really because we're about to find out that they are really good at killing humans still but yeah. like, I, I don't know. Is there like a is there a missing verse of the Ode to Man where it's like you are so hard headed and you are such a dumb son of a bitch that you will drive your head against this thing until it's over? Like, because man, that is one thing I learned from this all of this like spat of research. And I don't know. Yeah, there, this is like there may be the lowest. There of our may Ode be a Man. fragment. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there may be a fragment or two that uh, has maybe like a rough draft of. The Ant- Ant Antigone that says something to that effect. Because, yeah, I believe it, too. World star to man. Like... <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so I mentioned a white hurricane. And this mm-hmm. is going to take us to the worst storm in the history of the lakes. Uh, and this comes out of November's Fury in uh, 1905 on November 27th. A storm hit the Great Lakes with a force of 70-mile-an-hour winds, and they held at 60-mile-an-hours for 12 hours. These 60-mile-an-hour winds for half a day also brought a shitload of snow. And this one 12-hour period was, up until this point, the most devastating loss of everything on the lakes to this point. And I'm just going to rattle off some of these wonderful shipwrecks, because holy shit, Josh. And this is all out of... Um, November's Fury, these were all recorded in Duluth Harbor. Hmm. So, the RW England uh, 363 boat, it was beached after missing a canal. Whatever, that's not that bad. But so figure, like, these boats are trying to get into, they're trying to get in out of the shelter, or out of the storm into the shelter of, like, the harbor or wherever they can. Mm -hmm. So the first one that went down was the England, and it just beached itself because it just went dumb and missed. The Isa L. Elwood was tossed by a wave into some piers, and then it sank in 22 feet of water. 
A wave picked the, picked up this boat. It was 478 feet. And just threw it in the fucking pier and said, nah, you're good. Bro. But happy ending to that. Really nobody was harmed. Okay, that is that is a happy ending. Yes, that is good. But we're not here for happy endings. We're here for savagery and awfulness. True. Yep, yep. Um, the next one that is the most, or one of the most famous in this, and I'm obviously not recording all of these because they lost a ton of ships. Right, yeah. Um, and this one is still super famous, the Matafa. Hmm, that kind of sounds familiar, but but yeah, what, what, what was the thing with that? Um, well, so, oh, oh also, pre, uh, I guess I should have done this with my, uh, what do you call that, the preload? All ships on the Great Lakes are number one called boats, for whatever reason, and number two, Despite the fact that they all have masculine names, typically named after the owner of the company where the ship is out of, all boats are women. So just we, we're gonna get we're gonna get that out yeah. of the way. I'm gonna be using yeah. like they're all female pronoun. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Oh, dark and stormy already. <laughs> I also horsed a pizza before this at Three Barrel. <laughs> that's why I was kind of late tonight. So. Oh no no no! That's 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 brilliant. That's even better. <laughs> so this is an account of the Matafa as she was trying to get into safe harbor into into duluth right mm-hmm. this comes out of november's fury the boat's stern was lifted high in the air and the bow was pushed beneath the waves until it struck the bottom the matafa's propeller out of the water overspun sending a tremendous shudder through the boat when the stern sla- stern slammed back into the water the pilot house's windows blew in sending glass and water everywhere the stern crashed into the concrete of the pier the matafa's engines died the rudder was torn away with no power or means of steering, the Matafa could not be shoved around in any du- in any way or direction that the storm chose. The waves pushed the boat from piers onto the remains of the old piers nearby. The violence of the collision blowing out the hatch covers and splitting the Matafa across the deck. The ruptured stern portion sagged and began to fill with water. Gigantic walls of water washed over the decks, prohibiting the crew members in the back from moving to safer, to the safer, drier bow section of the vessel. So she sank, obviously. Uh, 15 men survived for 20 hours on the, like, up, the, the face down ass up end of the Matafa. <laughs> Four of them froze to the deck. They just straight up froze Holy to the shit. deck of the ship. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, during the same storm, uh, the 262-foot Ira H. Owen, um, it was in the harbor and it sank with 19 people on it. All told, 35 people died in the storm. There were 14 beached boats and 30 boats sank. Holy cow. And there's all these pictures of, like, the aftermath of the storm. Uh, Buildings were ripped apart. There's one, and it's a dude in the second story of a building, and the entire front facade has been ripped off. And it's just filled in with snow. Like, this was a devastating fucking storm, Josh. Like, that's it's insane. Yeah. That's so crazy. And also, this is where, this is a fun little bit here where we get to talk about a phenomenon on the Great Lakes known as the Three Sisters. Oh, okay. And this once again comes from uh, November's Fury. Veterans of the Great Lakes storm spoke almost reverentially about the f- phenomenon known as the Three Sisters, a bunching of three waves coming in close succession and packing an ultra-powerful punch. The first wave was larger than normal, perhaps one and a half times the height of the average wave in any particular storm. The second wave, closely following the first, was even bigger. The third wave was a monster, perhaps the height of the first two combined. Being caught in a trough between the waves could be fatal. 
a boat could be rolled onto her side by the first and not have enough time to recover before being hit by the other two. These waves are capable of ripping away a boat's superstructure. They could clear decks, tear off hatch covers, open cargo holds to onrushing water. They shifted cargo, popped rivets in the hull. Boats rolled to their sides, having been known to take water and spray it down their smokestacks. Two waves getting under a boat at the same time could cause her to sag in the middle. Decks split, wooden hulls splintered, and steel boats were broken in two. Oh my god, yeah. Three oh, sisters boy. are nothing to fuck around with. Jesus. And it's... It's just a, it's just three waves, one, two, three. Like, if this was an anime, this is a dude's, like, finishing move. Is yeah. A three sisters hit. Like. <laughs> I, well, and, and. Because, yeah, this is, this is a, a hundred, sixteen years ago. Hundred sixteen, so, yeah. And, and, yeah, like, like, of course we were, like, you know, we had, we had some, like ships built out of yeah like steel and and all that but a lot but yeah like a lot of this was still wood and holy cow holy cow yeah it's it's cool this book talks a lot about like the early innovations like we realized that you can't use ocean ships in the great lakes because they're just not the same type of deal Mm. so just like the the infrastructure of shipping on the Great Lakes is so unique to anything else we've ever seen it's really a cool thing that we did but man it's yeah, I just, well, which which also is like scratching that Paula Tadena itch, like like that you were talking yeah. about too. It's like okay, here's this like completely inhospitable climate that uh, hey, we still need to like send bricks and like uh, iron ore along the way here. Uh all right, we'll just again just like keep throwing ships and lives and uh, just until we find a way to kind of make it work. Yeah, and even then, we're gonna. F- Man, also, I got to point this out ahead of time. We are not making fun of these people. We are no, not, making not light at all. Of this. Every single loss of life in this situation is a tragedy, and some more so than others because a lot of the like catalyst behind it is nothing more than human greed. Like, yeah, yeah, and it's. Uh, especially going into this, like I listened to a couple podcasts about the Edmund Fitzgerald and it's a big damn deal about like, uh, or about uh, up in that region. It's, it's a huge thing. Even now, 50, yeah. whatever years later, it's still, it's still a hard point for these people. And I really want to point out that I am not here tonight to like speak ill or, no, or talk shit no. about the dead. And I just, this is fascinating to me. And Josh and I are going to laugh because that's how we deal with tragedy. Yeah. We, we got to yeah, laugh that's... at it. Otherwise, otherwise we cry. Yeah, like, you have to process Amanda that. Amanda is sick of me this week just writing this outline because I've been a mopey sad sack. <laughs> I actually walk around, we could have fucking prevented it, man. We could have fucking prevented yeah, it. Like, we could have, yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. Speaking of things we could have prevented, we're going to jump a little bit forward in the future to our first, like, case study of the night. Mm, I just, okay. I wanted to give you a primer off the November's Fury. Uh, a storm hit, it's bad. Yeah. Uh, that one is the worst one in 1906, right? Mm-hmm. So... Moving on, we're going to go to a ship called the Daniel J. Morell. She was named for the manager of the uh, Canberra Iron Company. Mm-hmm. She was launched on um, June 22nd, or no, what's eight? Sorry, August 22nd, 1906. Mm-hmm. So this is like that year, <laughs> like yeah, the I year mean, after just, or whatever. Yeah, like just after. Like, All right, boys, we got to do this again. Woof. <laughs> Second verse, same as the first. A little bit louder, a little bit worse. 
Um, oh god. She she was six hundred and three feet long with a NRT of five thousand four hundred nineteen tons, and then a gross weight of seven thousand two hundred thirty nine tons. Which that shit blows my mind that you can tell me that as humans we can float seventy two thousand or, or seven thousand two hundred pounds or yeah. Sorry, yeah, 7,200 pounds. Like, that's just insane to me. It is. It's so wild. It's oh So God. she was launched in 06 and then rebuilt in 1905, and they tacked six new six more feet onto her, and her new um, NRT was 6,000 tons with her gross as 77. She also got a new engine. What, well, that's good at Which, least. We would hope so. You know what? That's 45, so 39 years later. Yeah, probably replace it. Mm-hmm. Also important to note that the general lifespan of these big of these Great Lakes freighters is about give or take fifty ish years. Holy cow! Yeah, so which is pretty neat. Like a lot yeah. of what I was reading was these ships will they'll start they'll do their deal and then they'll get like not recommissioned but they'll just get a new like they'll get a new they'll they'll get a makeover mm-hmm. and they'll get a new engine. Sometimes they'll like add more cargo space. They'll take stuff out. They'll convert stuff. It's it's pretty neat. It's it's a yeah. really cool. It's something that I really wish that I knew more about intrinsically, just like the entire system of it. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. November twenty eighth, nineteen sixty six, during a final run of the season, to Taconite Harbor on Lake Huron. Also, fun point: Taconite is a type of iron ore. Oh, if okay. I say Taconite, I'm talking about iron ore pellets. Gotcha. gotcha. I should have put that in my primer, and I didn't. No, yeah, uh, you're fine. You're fine. The Daniel J. Morell and her sister ship, the Edward Y. Townsend, they got caught in 70-mile-an-hour wind with 25-foot waves. The Townsend took shelter in the St. Clair River, but the Morell, being the bigger of the two ships, opted to push up towards Thunder Bay, which is on kind of like the side of Wisconsin. Okay. On the eastern, eastern side of Wisconsin, uh, I want to say it's above Green Bay, but yeah. Okay. Also, if I lived in a place, it'd be Thunder Bay or Danger Castle, Wisconsin. Throwing it out there right now. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> it's an average storm. It's really not too much to worry about. Yeah, the winds are high. Yeah, the waves are kind of being a bitch, but not really. Until you cut to 2 a.m. when Dennis Hale was awakened by heavy bangs. He took these bangs to be the anchor chain smacking against the hull through the rough seas, which already goddamn terrifying. I cannot yeah. imagine going to bed... And just hearing an anchor chain banging against the goddamn side of the boat and going, oh, no, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, my, uh, yeah. These, I what, hear a dog fart and I'm awake for the night. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or, or, yeah, just like a weird, like, hinge creak. You know, you're just like, Rrr. and then you're like, okay, God, is it go time? It must be go time. And then, yeah, you're just like stressed out the rest of the night. Which, to your point, <clears throat> excuse me, to your point earlier, not at all making light of the situation. Like, these dudes were, like, tough as nails. Oh, these and, guys like, are fucking men, Josh. Like, yeah, these are exa- menlier men than you and I will ever man. We'll ever, like, yeah, we'll ever even dream about being. So, yes. So, like, oh, yeah, that's just the, like, 20-pound anchor chain, like, crashing against the side of the ship. Oh, well, back to sleep. Back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll... So uh, Dennis Hale thought all was well until the uh, general alarm sounded and to call all hands on deck. So being a good crewman, he jumps up out of bed. Remember, he's sleeping. Mm-hmm. He throws on a life jacket. Over that, he throws on a uh, pea coat. He's 
he also throws on a pair of shoes, but for all – he's naked. He's in a pair of boxer shorts. And this right, is super yeah. important to remember because okay. Dennis Hale's night is about to kick into shitty. Oh, fuck. Okay. So as he and several other crew members are standing on the deck, they see a thing appear out of the goddamn shadows, and it's another ship, and it's bearing down on them. Oh, my God. This ship strikes strikes the morel right in the fucking middle. Oh, my God. Ugh. This ship smashes into the morel. Everybody on deck, they don't have time to deploy lifeboats. They have the general call to, like, up on deck or whatever. Lifeboats aren't deployed. Nothing. They see the ship. It just fucking mashes them. They are mangled. The guys in the deck, they abandon ship and jump into 44-degree wa- wa- water during this storm of 25-foot waves. What hit them was the front half of the Daniel J. Morrell. At some point, the stern had broken off. What? The ship, the sh- okay, yeah, check this shit out. What? At some point, due to the stress <laughs> of the waves, the ship was ripped in two. <laughs> the whoa, okay, okay. Just, 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 just keep talking with understanding yeah. that like my brain is melting through my nostrils. This is right where now. my head exploded too. I had to read this like five times to be fucking <laughs> sure about it. So. They're on the middle of the boat. The front of the boat, in the waves, it ripped the boat in half. The front of the boat is still steaming and moving forward. It's still got propulsion. It smashes into the back half of the ship. At some point, the ship got bent in half, and the bow or the stern whipped around and hit him head or hit him hit him side hit him sideways. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> it then. Still having momentum, powered off into the night and sank something like 400 yards away from the aft section. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Holy <laughs> shit. This is like... And, and I was saying this earlier. This is just greed and shit. The mm-hmm. low carbon steel makeup of the uh, Morel, it was brittle. It was not up to snuff. It should have been refitted, but it wasn't. So this type of metal is more brittle than usual. Any boat worth her salt would have been able to withstand this. But at this point, this is 1966. This ship is 50 years old, Josh. Well, Remember I said they have a lifespan of about 50 years. Yeah. She wasn't on her last leg. She was still seaworthy, but not in this case. Well, and, and you also said, if I remember hearing you correctly, like this is one of her last. Well, this uh, is the uh, very well, this is the last run of the season. This so, is like. Her and the uh, Townsend were making like their last run up into uh, Huron, or end up into Taconite Harbor on Lake Huron. So from, it is that. Yeah, it is that whole like, all right, just one more day till retirement and get it. But it wasn't. My... For all intents and purposes, this should have been a routine run. Everything should have been fine, and it can yeah. wasn't. Yeah. Just well, the the other thing that I was going to say, and and I realized that like this is different. Like like the example I'm going to give is like getting cut down like the midline as opposed to like cut in half. But it's mm-hmm. like that thing in like a cartoon where there's like a car that like, you know, like goes through the lumber mill or something and yeah. gets sawed in half. And then the two halves kind of like drive off for a little bit. And then they meet up again <laughs> in the road. Like that's like, that's what happened with this ship. Except instead of, yeah, the midline, it was like cut across yeah. the, the waist. Yeah. Ugh. It, to me, the idea that, like, these guys are on the deck, they look up and see a ship bearing down them, and they're yeah. panicking. 
And then to realize that it's your own ship that the front of it got ripped off and the momentum is carrying it. But then it keeps fucking going. And like it just keeps going for another 400 yards. Oh yeah. my god. After crash uh, after left. smashing into itself like <laughs> I was in I was in a car wreck a, a number of years ago. We got hit from the ass and it spun around and hit head on. Mm-hmm. And that makes more sense to me than this yeah. shit does. Like, but so it's not all lost. Okay. We have a couple survivors from this horrific event: De- Dennis Hale, who I already talked about, John J. Cleary Jr., Arthur E. Stojek, and Charles Fossbender. So they watched the fucking half of the ship turn off into the goddamn night. They abandon ship. They make it to some lifeboats that they manage to deploy. Remember, this happened at 2 in the morning. At 6 a.m., Cleary and Stojek froze to death in the life raft, or on the lifeboat. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hale and Fossbender sat up until, or sat up talking about just anything because it's now down from four to two guys in a boat. Mm-hmm. And they talk until about 4 p.m. They have, at this point, been afloat for 14 hours. Jesus Christ. I don't know if they were able to get out, like, an SOS or anything? Like, did they have any hope at all of, like... They didn't even know what happened. No one knew what happened. Oh the ship ripped in half, hit itself, and then sank. The Morella's gone at this point, and now it's just four dudes on the life raft. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. Well, not so much, but... So, it's Hale and Fossbender, and they talk about their families until about 4 p.m. when Fossbender just freezes to death. Oh he just God. dies. That's it. At this point, they've been afloat for 14 hours. Hale sat in this life raft with his three dead shipmates. And at this point, he started cursing God because, well, yeah, why the fuck wouldn't you? Like, (laughs) Jesus. And if half of a ghost ship, you know, just pile driving itself doesn't scare you enough. Here's where it gets super weird. Yeah, here's here's where it gets super weird. Listeners, dear, sweet, gentle (laughs) listeners. Here's where it gets weird. As Hale is looking at the dead bodies of his companions who are frozen to death, and it's frozen, so they're probably just blue but still super well-preserved, which has got to be trippy enough as it is. Mm -hmm. He starts picking at his jacket, picking off pieces of ice, and eating them. He then gets a new crew member in the boat. What? What? This crew member tells Hale to not eat the ice on his jacket because it's going to lower your body temperature, and then it disappears. This is something called the third man factor. It appears to people when they are in dire situations and a spirit or a specter or a shade or the ghost of your dead grandfather will appear before you and give you advice or help or just a motivational pep talk about, hey, you got this there, Champer. You're not going to die. In this case, Hale's ghost told him, do not eat the ice in your jacket. It will lower your body temperature. Back at the ranch, because no distress call was given, nothing, nobody knows what happened. The Townsend made it to the mouth of the St. Clair. It was fine. So they start a search for the Morel, because they realized that she was late. It was reported missing the next day at noon on the 29th. So this happened on the 28th. This is noon. This is... This happened 2 a.m. on the 28th. This is noon on the 29th. Yeah, it's like a day and a half late. Oh, my God. Yeah. The Coast Guard was told to be on the lookout, but they were already pretty busy because, well, this storm is kind of a real bear cat. Mm -hmm. But at 4 o'clock the next day, a rescue helicopter noticed something in the water that looked like a life raft. And on that life raft was something that might have been a man, but they also thought it might have just been water spray from the helicopter's rotor blades. What it was was Dennis Hale. He was still alive. He was 100 miles from Detroit. (laughs) 
They went and picked him up. He survived the flight back. Uh, he remembers, or he he recounted hearing doctors and nurses talking about what horrible condition he was in. One nurse kept saying, "He's so blue. He's so blue." But and not good news. And not the crappy like I'm blue. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. No. But like probably that blue or like blue man. Probably blue. that that fucking blue. Forty four oh, degree weather in likely. So the storm passed, but he's still floating. Like he's wet. He's freezing to death. But hasn't he's alive. Eaten? Yeah. Oh my god. Hasn't eaten. Hasn't eaten a damn thing. But Josh, good news. Dennis Hale survived. He is the only survivor of a 26-man crew. His survival was credited with a couple factors. Number one, he was naked underneath his life vest. So when he fell into the water, he didn't have a bunch of clothes because yeah. he was off duty. He was sleeping. Right, right. He didn't have a bunch of clothes to soak up the water when he abandoned ship. Mm-hmm. Um, his life vest was over him underneath his pea coat, so that insulated his chest and lungs. And then his third man factor, the the the, the ghost that he projected told yeah. him not to eat the ice on his coat. And so he lived. And that's fucking insane. That's And then so... sad ending to this, he died in 2015 of cancer, but yeah. Well, still like that's that's yeah, some like 50 years after. Oh my god. Oh yeah. my god. Well, so, <laughs> so but yeah, like I'm I'm thinking too and and I you told me to take note of this. Yeah, mm-hmm. like way way back when I was doing my like hunter's safety classes and yeah, like talking about hypothermia that was that was one of the key things like if 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 you fall into a a river or a lake or something like that yeah like get your clothes off because yeah that's just extra. yeah get naked strip down dry off yeah 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 get yeah get as get as naked as, as you can get as dry as you can get as close to any sort of so yeah just oh my god Woo. he was also a bigger guy uh, everything that I read mm-hmm. about him said that he was kind of fat for 70s sta- or for 60s standards. Mm-hmm. And that also accounts for it because he was out on open water for, you know, 14 hours or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He may have had, had some of that um, insulation there too. So I, I remember mm-hmm. my, I remember my geology advisor, Rob Benson talking about, he mm-hmm. did, um he, he did core samples up North, like way, way North in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And he said every day they had to put down 8,000 calories just to like, provide the fuel you need to be up in that environment yeah yeah yeah. like and he said even then he still lost 20 pounds after the like the run of the trip just because like like, he was the 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 amazing strain of cold on the human body like Mm -hmm. yeah well and like even he was like a pretty pretty slim guy to begin with um yeah well and and also like i've heard like granted like completely different and like not like in the wet at all but like the cold but yeah like people who do like the everest hikes they're like literally eating handfuls of like lard um yeah just to like yeah like you're saying just to keep up with the caloric requirements that you need to endure supreme cold and this this guy did this for what like two days Uh, effectively yeah like a day and a half really like 2 a.m and then he was rescued at uh 4 p.m oh okay yeah 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 so yeah so just yeah like one and three quarters of a day, not eating anything, not eating anything, not oh drinking anything. God. Like just the the whole thing is terrible. And again, this is one of those things where it gets so shitty. Cause Hey man, had the morel had, you know, not no low carbon steel. Well, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have fucking split in half and hit itself. Like, 
Yeah, yeah, trying to trying to cut corners and like get the cheapest thing. Uh, yeah, like it's yeah, it's uh, God. Uh, yeah, it's it's nuts. I also need to clarify: they were hit by the aft section. They were on the 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 fore section. They were hit by the oh, motor okay. section. I'm sorry. I okay. I don't think I said that, but that was the point. That's how the son of a bitch was able to like steam away half cock into the night. Like. Yeah, because because that yes, so that does make a lot more. Because I was sorry like, to be to be clear, it's still split in half, and then they got hit in the ass by their well, ass. But yeah, yeah. Well, yeah I don't think so, I said that, but yeah. Well, and and even my mind was like, okay, well, if yeah, if the front part did break off and the like, uh, in the in the stern with the propellers, maybe that like kind of turned a circle or something. Uh, but 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 that also makes well. What hung sense. me up was because Hale survived and he gave this account and he said they saw the front of a ship hit them, and it's uh, not the front; it's the middle of a ship. And that's again you. like this. Is, yeah, it's whatever. My bad. But no, so they were hit no, by no, the ascent good. of their own ship. But yeah, like so that's the Daniel J. Morrell. All right, so Daniel J. Morrell, first one cutting our teeth. It's pretty bad. It's pretty rough. Kind of weird. Yeah. Kind of fun too. I like the ooky spooky aspect of the ass smashing into the middle somehow. And then well, I also like the, the third man factor. Yeah. Like that's a really neat thing that up until this episode I didn't know was a thing. And I'm glad I know about it. No, I hadn't yeah, yeah, I, I hadn't heard about that either. Um but but it does like the not that I've ever been in as nearly as perilous a situation. Um but yeah, like it'll be times when like doing like the late night drive from Denver back to Alamosa just to get home. And I like maybe start to nod off a little bit or I feel like I'm tired. And then like, well, and, and you, you also mentioned that like the two guys were talking to each other just to kind of like yeah. stay awake and like stay coherent and all that. And yeah, like I'll totally do that. I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk to myself. Mm-hmm. I'll just like, or, or like sing. I'd sing all the, I mean, I sing all the time anyway, but yeah, I just sing to like, like, all right, buddy. Just uh, past Walsenburg, we got like an hour fifteen to get home, and then let's just let's just do mm-hmm. that. But then that also, yeah, totally makes sense that like as a manifestation of that, yeah, like a like a crew member jumps into your lifeboat and says like, "Hey, bud, don't eat the ice. That's bad." And then like jumps back out. But that's what hangs with me is like that's such a weird thing to have happen to you. Like yeah. just that, just don't eat the ice. Why would you? I mean, I know that you would know that. But there was a story in the Denver Post about an old woman who wrecked her car off the road in a blizzard, and she should have died. But she said that John Wayne sat in the car with her and told her to suck on the buttons on her shirt. And by sucking on the buttons on her shirt, it made her, like, salivate, and that's what kept her going somehow. So it's it's a thing. It's definitely a thing, but yeah, maybe, like, Third yeah. Man Factor deserves its own episode, but... Yeah, just that we can absolutely. Yeah, hell yeah. We can do some more recent since, since this is a new concept to to the both of us. Yeah, I, I totally think that's that's worthy of a, another another look. Hell yeah. Um. Also, just because I was I was so shook by that story, I I had to mix myself up another dark <laughs> and stormy. Um. Which in hindsight, I'm realizing like, oh no, wait, maybe is there such a drink called the like smooth and calm or the Smooth and glassy, or maybe that's just a glass of water. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. Sh- don't eat that shit, or don't drink don't that, that, Josh. Shit. It'll lower your body temperature and make this podcast less fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a ghost yeah. next to you. Like, I no, just... Josh, drink the beer. Drink, drink the beer. It's okay. Drink, yeah, drink the Kraken. It'll warm you up, and yeah, you'll be good to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna jump back a little bit in time, but this one is insane mm. to me. 
And okay. if you would have told me, Josh, that when I, because again, like I said, I wrote the Edmund Fitzgerald bit of this episode back in July, and I was content to devote an entire episode just to the Edmund Fitzgerald. But mm-hmm. as I was researching now in this new kind of like you call it like the 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 research 2.0 or whatever, if you would have told me that there would be a conspiracy theory in this podcast, I would have told you to go to yeah. hell. But God damn it, Uh-oh. do I have a weird granddaddy of conspiracy Uh-oh. theories for you at the end of this bit, at the end of this little segment Uh-oh. here. Okay, all right. I'm I am I am girding my loins. So we're gonna jump back to uh, 1851, to something called the wreck of the Lady Elgin or Elgin. I don't know. I'm gonna call her the Lady Elgin. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what she was was a 252 side wheel steamer. So think like. Not the Mark Twain paddle boats, but the ones with the paddles on either side of the ship. But the ship runs through the oh, middle. Yeah. It kind of like makes a weird sandwich. Yeah. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. She had a, a gross register tonnage of uh, 1,037 tons or pounds. So good good enough. Again, this is 1851. So this is not nearly as cool as like the Edmund Fitzgerald will be or the Daniel J. Morrell was. But it's still impressive. At the time, she was the mm. finest luxury ship on the Great Lakes. She would typically ferry passengers between ports and so forth. And really, it was just like, hey, you got time to kill? You jump on the Lady Elgin. She's wonderful. Mm. On September 6, 1860, she left Milwaukee Harbor carrying around 400 people. These people were going to hear Abraham Lincoln's political opponent, Stephen A. Douglas, speak at a convention. That right there is such a cool thing to me. Like... People, 400 people were traveling on a boat to hear a presidential candidate talk. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like, that's super cool. We don't think about this shit now because we take it for granted. Like, no, we're just going to watch CNN. We're going to watch Fox, whatever. That's where we're going to get our shit from the light candidates. But no, these people went. Yeah, they were there and like had to like get on a boat to do it. Yeah. At 2.30 during a kind of heavy storm, but not super heavy, but it was still a pretty solid thunderstorm on the lake. She was uh, rammed by the schooner, uh, the Augusta. Mm. Um, the Augusta was ju- it's a it's a schooner, Josh. It's a smaller ship. It's not anything yes. that they're going to register. But also, the Augusta was only running with the single white lantern tied to her bowsprit. So the very, very, very point of the ship, there's a single fucking white light lantern burning. Motherfucker. Fuckers. You okay, might yeah. as well. Yeah. You might as well drive Levita Pass in a fucking snowstorm and have a flashlight like in your dashboard. Yeah. You are not going to see Dick. <laughs> now. No. When the Augusta hit the Lady Elgin, either the captain did not see her, or the captain did see her and could do nothing, or chose to do nothing. We don't really know, and that's not the point. The point is, this ship hit the Elgin, and it basically pulled a hit and run. The schooner, knowing that it was a schooner. It took for granted the idea that, hey, this ship was a lot bigger. She's probably fine, but goddammit, I'm not going to be because this is a little boat. Again, like this is this is like your little compact sedan hitting a semi-truck. Semi's probably mm, fine, yeah, right? Yeah. She, yeah, yeah she's yeah. going to be able to like drop off her load at Walmart, but you need to make sure that your axles are straight. Mm-hmm. So she fogged it for Chicago. But the Lady mm-hmm. Elgin Josh was not okay. Not okay. Yeah. No. Uh, so her headgear and bowsprit were badly damaged. There was a hole below the water line that was rapidly taking on water, just sucking in that good, good Great Lakes water. 
so badly that the captain of the ship ordered that all cargo and cattle be thrown overboard to try and lighten the load to try and get the <gasps> wa- to try and get the hole above the water line. Mind you, this is like yeah, yeah. underwater line, so she's just taken on water. Oh God, yeah. While uh, cattle and cargo were being thrown overboard, the ship's steward was in the coal bunker, stopping the hole with mattresses. <sighs> this, oh my God, this this guy doing doing yeah. their goddamnedest, like you know, doing their man best. plans, yeah. and God says, "Ha ha, eat a dick." Exactly. Exactly. So, oh, boy, the Elgin was fucked. 20 minutes after this hit by this wee tiny, not wee tiny, wee tiny is the wrong term, but Josh, this thing is wee fucking tiny compared to anything that should even matter. Within 20 minutes of being hit, the Lady Elgin split into two. Everything but the bow, or but the bow sank rapidly. And remember, there's a storm going on, and this is where it gets super Stephen Kingy. Reports of the incident talk about how lightning backlit the ship's sinking. Whoa. Okay, yeah, that would be... Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and again, not making light, not talking any shit or anything, but fuck, this is so cool. Mm. Like, the ship is sinking, yeah. and just these thunderclaps, and you see this fucking big, like, four-story tall boat just sinking, and, but you're okay, and you're... Boy, I'm glad we're out of this one, eh? Oh, Josh, oh, Dick, oh. I wanted to see Stephen yeah, Douglas talk. Oh, too bad. Who, who would win between... A schooner and the bears. I tell you who'd win. The it's bears. the bears. Yeah, the bears gotta win every the time. Bears. Pound my chest. I have a heart attack. <laughs> there we go. Got the old tickle going again. <laughs> you good, buddy? Ooh, the curse of curse of dark and stormy is going down the wrong path there. <laughs> Who would win between a dark and stormy and the bulls? The bulls. <laughs> Ooh, that Michael's Jordan's dark and stormy enough for me there, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like to to your point, amid this tragedy and like people stressed out and like doing everything within their power to like try and make the most out of the situation and and like save themselves and, and others. That a lightning storm is raging in the background. That is that. That's just cool. That's just cool. I'm sorry. Like it's horrific. No, I always wonder about that. Like, do people take a moment to like realize when tragedy is hitting and so forth, but then go, oh fuck, this is neat. Like we're never gonna. Yeah. Like some dude when Pompeii blew or or Vesuvius blew or whatever was just like, God damn, that's look at that, look at that, and then gets covered by like pyroclastic flow. But like, yeah, by the pyroclastic. Just or there's that like really famous. Uh, picture from Mount St. Helens and it's like when it goes and then they found the camera and the photographer died. You know that photographer is like, fuck, this is neat. Hello, yeah. Time Magazine. <laughs> Click and then he fucking died. But yeah. at the same time, yeah. like, I really like the idea that humans, you know, most animals have that like suicide switch. Something's bad enough, their brains shut down, they die. That's all there is to it. They just, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's like the the, yeah. the the lesser of the beast, rabbits, birds, chickens, so forth, but like, man. Yeah. I love that idea that humans are just like, ah, oh, this is cool. Bleh. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, either like, yeah, uh, engulfed in, yeah, like ash and, um, or, yeah, like turn into a uh, an ice cube in the, yeah. So, so yeah, I, 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 I would like to imagine that somebody was like, 
as they're like frantically bailing water and like helping like women and children in the lifeboats be like, all right, this is actually metal as fuck. This is this is pretty cool. <laughs> metal as fuck. I'm gonna die. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and I I also don't I don't know if I I don't want to again repeating our our point from before. I, I don't want to speak ill of anybody uh, who 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 perished or who was injured or, or anything like that. Um, however, you mentioned that this boat was called the Lady Elgin. Yes. And that turned on a little light bulb in, in my mind. Okay. And I had to go and look. And I don't know if you were getting to this or or or, or whatever. So uh so this boat was named after the wife of Lord Elgin, mm-hmm. who was Canada's governor general uh from uh eighteen forty seven to eighteen fifty. But not the Lord Elgin, who, uh, rather uh, under under rather uh, uh, spurious authority, took the Parthenon marbles. No shit. But it was his dad. No shit. So yeah. So the Lady <laughs> Elgin was named after the wife of the eighth Lord Elgin, and it was the seventh Lord Elgin, who. Yeah, took the Parthenon marbles. Goddamn. Um, so 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 yeah, like, and and I don't know if you were going to get there, and I was really hoping I, I wasldn't going to like. I was steal not. I or, I didn't even anything. like draw that core. I didn't even bother to say that she was named after the Canadian governor because like, yeah, who the fuck cares? I was going to make well, a joke about uh, Elgin yeah. is Spanish for the gin, but that was just another Chris Farley <laughs> joke. <laughs> Some guy was just yeah, like off his rocker on. Uh, <laughs> like beef eaters or something. The El Nino, <laughs> Spanish for the Nino. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, he's like, do you, you know, he's, he's doing the things like, do you, Tanqueray? And then the schooner crashes. <laughs> the fucking Augusta <laughs> smashes her. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, and I'm also not saying this is some sort of weird divine retribution or anything. But then again, like... If your dad took the Parthenon marbles under some pretty shady, like, provenance. Well, because that was an English dude, uh, right? Elgin was English that stole them, right? Yeah, uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, uh, British. I think it was a Scot, actually. So, but, uh, just but, in that, right there, but, but, but spoilers, his... Josh, conspiracy theory deepens. Huh? But it, oh, boy. Oh, there's well, no well, way that this is retribution. And if it is, then God has a definite hit list, and it's for one race of people in particular. Oh, okay. Well, so that's my again. Like, even though we're talking about North America, I had to like find a way to shoehorn the Greeks in somehow. But but so, what's the conspiracy theory? What's the like weird? Well, before we get there, we got to uh, do this. So okay. remember, okay, uh, she's been split in half. Twenty minutes mm-hmm. after getting hit by the Augusta, the bow mm-hmm. sinks rapidly, and so now the stern is just kind of floating, ass end up once again, um, ass end up, backlit by the thunderstorm. About 18 people out of 400 now make it to lifeboats. Mm-hmm. And those lifeboats made it to shore. 14 got onto a life raft. Um, a lot were pulled off of wreckage, like 
so as this thing was going, it spread the wreckage out. So people are floating. One thing that I read mm. talked about how the life boards were not deployed. So this is before mm. a time. This is before when we had life jackets. They had a thing called life boards. And what it was is okay. hard pack lightweight wood that will always guarantee float. And it's just oh, planks wow. of wood that you just can grab onto and, and kind of like bob about. And again, this is a storm in September. It's it's not a winter storm. There are gale force winds, but whatever. You can hang on to shit, whatever. Like, you have a better shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, these life boards were not deployed off the Elgin, which is kind of weird. The Lady Elgin's captain, Captain uh, Wilson, don't have a first name there, but we're just going to call him Captain Wilson. He did his goddamnedest. He was reported to have been attempting to save people, trying to get them, like, on life rafts, life boats, life planks of wood until he himself was dashed against rocks and died. Well, okay. Uh, uh, drink, drink. Yeah. His honor. Yeah, yeah. Pour some out for one's homies. Indeed. I need to cut my goddamn mustache. Mall drippy. <laughs> Save me here. Actually, oh, I just had the same. You thoughts, take a like, drink and like, it just gets stuck and you're like, no, I don't need you in there. Thank you, sir. <laughs> All told about 98 people were rescued, but 300 died. Yeah. Um, this is a little fun bit. A drummer from the German band Charles Bera- Beverung, he floated to safety on top of his bass drum. Okay. No. Literally, just, there's that. That's just using we, your head. We talked earlier about cartoons. You talked about the car getting split by the log mill, and then it like <laughs> separates and then reforms later. This is some fucking Ky- Wiley Coyote <laughs> shit too. Homeboy lived because he was floating on his goddamn drum, and I think that's hilarious. I've seen a little cartoon uh, about the sinking of the Titanic mm-hmm. where it's the string quartet. Oh, yeah. And it's like and it's like the second violinist um, like trades with the bass violin player. Yeah. And then he has like a little thought bubble like, oh, yeah, I can like float on this bass violin. <laughs> and instead of like my second, like my little my little tiny one. <laughs> but 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 this guy did it. He he was like, all right, I. My mom, like, uh, like the whole world said, really, bass drum, that's what you're going to do? You're not going to do snare drum? You're not going to, you know, whatever's like... We play quad toms in this now? house, you piece of shit. Get out of my <laughs> face, mom. I'm a bass drummer and I know it. Your father played the triangle and his father before him and his father before him. <laughs> no son of mine is playing bass drum in a triangle house. <laughs> <laughs> According to reports, uh, Captain Wilson attempted to save 300 people on a raft. I don't know how that works. I'm not sure how big rafts are, but by by all accounts, Captain Wilson was a real goddamn G and tried his damnedest. He literally went down with the ship and then died, dashed against rocks. Okay, again, yeah. I just, just got to have a drink for him. Yeah, no, Wilson's a badass, and I'm really sorry I don't have his first name, but... Yeah, but still. Again, I just wrote Captain the, the, Wilson the fact, in my outline. I was like, oh, you bastard. But yeah. You bet. Well, but but I think even the fact that on this on this podcast that we're still talking about him and like still giving him like credit 150 years afterwards. Yeah. Like, I would hope that, that that's like some recompense yeah. for like his heroism. And it's like, oh shit, like I got to do what I got to do. So absolutely. 
So by daybreak, between 350 and 400 passengers and crew were drifting in these stormy waters. The storm is still going. This is a bad spot to be in. But as she was sailing up along, like, the coast, this is really close mm-hmm. to people and humans, and they can help. And, Josh, this is a fun little moment. Students from Northwestern University and Garrett Bible Institute, they watched the shipwreck happen. So on the morning of September 8th, they just organized fucking search parties. They did their goddamn to yeah. save these people. And one dude named, and we do have his whole name, and I'm whatever. But again, like we're going to talk about him because he's a fucking hero. Uh, Edward Spencer yeah. out of Northwestern University. He rescued 17 passengers over six hours. That, ah, hell, okay, another one. But, but, drink. but, but, before you drink, mm-hmm. save your drink oh, until this oh. bit. He sustained okay. injuries during this rescue that left him with, okay, he sustained injuries from this rescue that left him an invalid for the rest of his life. Not only did he save 17 people, he more or less just fucking sacrificed the use of his body. So goddamn yeah, drink for Ed, Ed, Edward Spencer. Take a drink. Oh, here we go. I'm also, man, I plowed through this dark and stormy way too fast. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, part four is going to be really rough. All right. (laughs) There's about 400 people in the water. 98 people are saved. 300 died. Yeah. This is regarded as the largest loss of passenger life on the Great Lakes in open water. There, there, there was one cruise ship that sank with like 900 people on it because it caught fire, and I didn't want to do it because it was so fucking depressing. But then that yeah, boat that's... went on to be a gunship, a training gunship for like World War One, and I just too sad. I didn't want to get too sad, like. Right. But this one, right, right. the Lady Elgin, this is the the largest loss of life in open water. And here's where it gets really weird. I told you before that these passengers were going to see a a, a talk given by Stephen A. Douglas. This is Lincoln's opponent. A bulk of these passengers on the Lady Elgin at this time are members of the Union Guard. They were an Irish political party. Oh, okay. This and so when it wrecked, most of the like the top brass, the 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 hoity toity hoi polloi of the Irish concern in um in the in the region, they were on this boat, and it sank and it killed them. This sinking is what's credited as the shift in like power from the Irish to the Germans in Milwaukee. Whoa. And that's where I say there's this weird conspiracy behind it. And again, the captain of the Augusta was uh, found to be, so he didn't do it. It wasn't his fault. They, at, at a maritime court, they found him innocent of the charges, but they did say that his first mate and the rest of the crew were found incompetent. So I wonder what the fuck's going on. Cause like political machines in the 1800s, we know they're up to some bad shit. It makes yeah, like this was this was the like gilded age and yeah, uh very cutthroat kind of realpolitik. Yeah. Um mm, mm. And like I tried to look into this and I found out that like the guy that owned the boat was just an Englishman and it, the son of an Englishman. And it didn't really matter. It didn't, it didn't pan out oh, as okay. deep as I'd hoped, <laughs> but man, that yeah. really stuck with me. 1000 right. children were said to be orphaned as a result of this wreck. Really yeah. only f- about 40 were orphaned, but <laughs> according to, um, according to Wikipedia, only about 40 were actually orphaned after doing a couple surveys and studies. I prefer to think that a thousand were orphaned because the goddamn Irish breed like rabbits, but whatever. 
The Lady Elgin's <laughs> owner apparently received $12,000 from insurance. And then uh, mm-hmm. Darius uh, Malott was the captain of the Augusta. He was found not guilty of negligence. And I'm going to read this really quick. Captain Malott, Lady Elgin's crew owners, were absolved of any blame. This is the report. The judgment is based on a law that not only gave the sail the right-of-way over the stream, so the Augusta should have had the right-of-way because she was the smaller boat, but because she couldn't see, she was kind of absolved of it. As far as the Augusta knew, she was fine. She was doing the right thing, and she just fucking whacked it. The Augusta had sighted the passenger steamer 20 minutes before the collision, but the rain had misjudged the distance between them. Four years after the disaster, in 1864, a new ruling was made requiring sailing vessels to carry running lights. So, a happy ending to this. So, since there, yeah. so now all boats have to have running lights. So, since there were nearly 1,900 ships under sail by 1870, the regulations were long under, overdue. Again, we are pieces of shit, Josh. There are 1,900 boats on the goddamn Great Lakes, and they're just fucking running with little lanterns. But really? Yeah, like, that... so um, this whole thing might have been averted for the cost of, like, an $8 lantern. That that could have saved all of this, and it didn't. Yeah. And it's fucking yeah. awful, well, dude. Yeah. Like, because number well, one, there's no way that the Lady Elgin even knew about the Augusta. This is pre-radar. This is pre-sonar. This is pre-all that. Yeah. She had no yeah, pre, running lights and was just yeah. running with a single white light lantern in a fucking thunderstorm on the goddamn Great Lakes. Like, it's bad, dude. It makes you feel bad inside about what pieces of shit we are. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's also, so here's here's another little bit. Yeah. So we've absolutely talked about the Dana from Greek tragedy, but, but, but there's another message that appears in Greek tragedy that I also think is apropos here. Uh, and this comes from the Agamemnon of Aeschylus. Okay. Um, and the chorus, um, they're just kind of, as the chorus does, they're kind of giving general like observations about life or like words to live by and things like that. And they say something to the effect of uh, Zeus, who 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 sets mortals on the path to knowledge, has laid this down as a law that we must suffer into wisdom. Yes. And and the like very pithy two word uh, Greek phrase for that is pathe mathos. Mm. And so I, I think that's also it too. It's like yeah, there were. Was it 19,000? 1,900 ships. What? How, how many oh, ships 1900. were... Oh, 1,900. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, 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 yeah, 1,900 ships without running lights. It took one, like, horrific shipwreck to be like, oh, maybe we should start doing this thing. And so, like, that's also, for for me at least, yeah, that's the sort of, like, we have to, like suffer into learning we have to suffer into truth we have to suffer into understanding like oh crap yeah just like you're saying for the for the cost of like a few bucks worth of having some extra lanterns maybe this could have been avoided and yeah. and then like future f- future voyages uh could could like learn from this tragedy too so yeah but you know uh, yeah. Da, da, da. lady elgin yeah 
shifted the 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 political power in Chicago from from Irish to German. So weird to me. Like, yeah, like maybe. Oh. Well, it, well, well, wait, well, well, from from Irish to German. Mm-hmm. Because uh, okay, well, a bulk of the people on the ship were Irish. They were they true. they were okay. like. They were the, 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 what do you call that? The, the high and mighty of Irish society or whatever, not society, but yeah. like they were the ones controlling, yeah. like we're doing this for the Irish. And then that's kind of what shifted. And this is like, this shipwreck is what's credited as the like cultural shift from Irish to German in this region. And that in well, and of itself is just goddamn insane. And I guess the moral well, of the story I, is if you like have a big family fly in separate planes, cause goddamn, you never know. Yeah. Yeah, but also truly, also truly. No, well, and because uh, I know that in, uh, but it seemed like to your point too about the Irish breeding like rabbits, because um, they always dye the Chicago River green for St. Patrick's Day. They don't dye the river blue for Oktoberfest. So, so maybe, maybe it just like delayed the in, in inevitable by like another I don't know, a couple of years or something. But. See, I thought you were gonna make a joke like, "Man, the Great Lakes are dyed green that morning." <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Uh, I'm not quite that dark. I'm not quite that dark. Not always, but. All right, it's time for the moment that I know you've been waiting for, Josh. I know you're horned up for it. We've all been waiting for the legend the lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchigumi. <laughs> I am not gonna play the song because I cannot afford the rights, and every podcast I heard oh, yeah. also does this, and I'm not gonna do that shit. Right. It's hack. Yeah, it's wrote. Exactly. Listeners enjoy my Spanish style guitar cover of Edmund Fitzgerald, which I'm sure <laughs> at some point we'll backtrack in this. I don't know yet. Let's talk right, about the fucking Edmund Fitzgerald, the coolest goddamn ship that we ever lost. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and to your point too, because this is the two wizards podcast, not the two hacks. Two hack. Yeah. It was like, oh, we're, we're going to talk about the Edmund Fitzgerald, then we'll play the song by Gordon Lightfoot, too. It's like, okay, n- nothing against either of those, nothing against the actual Edmund Fitzgerald, nor against Gordon Lightfoot. But yeah, we're not just like a bunch of, a couple of Johnny-come-latelys. No, we're the goddamn two wizards. And we will. We'll, we, will, we will make our own, like, halting, not haunting, but halting rendition of Gabriong. <laughs> You get your fucking trumpet. I'm gonna get my like baritone out of storage. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Also, you're like, man, you're putting shit on me. I gotta now like compose a whole new song. Fuck. Yeah, gotta. I can transcribe the Edmund Fitzgerald. I got to find tabs for this, Josh. Fuck you. I've had them. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> All right. So Edmund Fitzgerald, here we are. Like, man, here we I, are. I'm, okay. I'm so happy to get like the Edmund Fitzgerald is the goddamn Brett, the Hitman heart of great lakes freighters. <laughs> that is so great. She was makes launched. So much sense. She was. She really, really was. She was launched on June the eighth, nineteen fifty-eight. She had a gross tonnage of one th- of thirteen thousand six hundred thirty-two. Her net tonnage was eight thousand seven hundred thirteen pounds. Her dead weight. So just okay. She was so fucking big. They measured her in different terms, right? <laughs> she had a dead weight capacity. 
of 26,000 tons. Holy cow. She was named for the president of the Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company and built to be just one foot shorter than the maximum size of the to be at this point in time, newly completed St. Lawrence Seaway. So you, you have these, you have the locks, you know, the locks full up with water. She was literally built to be one foot shorter than the maximum capacity. This is like, this is America at its greatest. This is America at its dickest outest. Here we are, rocky like a fucking hurricane. Look at my goddamn boat. One foot shorter than your stupid little locks. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> Paul, that's a fucking America, dude. Like, America today now. Yeah. I always mess that up. America today. So, by the end of all of it, she was 729 feet long. And just to give you context, Josh, the walk from my house to my place of work is less than that. Like... This is better than, like, this is two and a half football fields. This ship was colossal. She was 75 feet wide and worth $49 million in today's money. But also, lest you just think she's a big, ugly bruiser, she's not. At the time, this ship was state-of-the-art and one of the finest fucking boats on the waters. Actually, the finest boat on the water. It had pile carpeting, tile bathrooms, and two dining rooms, as well as a state-of-the-art navigational system. And I'm going to read this little quote here. She would also carry passengers. And this is um, this is up for, this is an account from just a few weeks before her loss. Stewards treated the guests to the entire VIP routine. The, cruzi- the cuisine was reportedly excellent, and snacks were always available in the lounge. A small but well-stocked kitchenette provided the drinks. Once each trip, the captain held a candlelight dinner for the guests, complete with mess-jacketed stewards and special clam digger punch. I mean, well, well god damn it. Now I wish we would have had that in our <sighs> wizard's chalices. Man, I, I, god damn. Clam digger punch next week. We'll, let's call it now. We'll figure out what it is yeah, later. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you get oysters there in the San Luis Valley? (laughs) I will do my goddamn duty, sir. (laughs) Also, she is reportedly famous for having something called DJ captains. And these are captains that as they pull into port will blast music on their intercom system so everybody can fucking hear it. This is the most popular goddamn ship in the entire Great Lakes system. The Edmund Fitzgerald is the fucking... Again, Edmund Fitzgerald is the Brett the Hitman heart. The best there is, the best there was, the best that will ever be. She was colossal. Let's read some of her nicknames, Josh, because they're insane. I got a kick out of this. Like, so much love. This fucking boat had so much love behind her, and it's so sad to me. As as you were finding those, yeah. I just had to look it up real quick. The clam digger, uh-huh. at least according to like my quick search, is a virgin Bloody Mary. Oh, boo. Pass. So yeah. We're that, not doing that. We're yeah, not we're, we're not gonna do that. Never mind. Yeah, but yeah, but 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 that does not detract from the Edmund Fitzgerald. What other names did she go by? She went by the Fitz, the Mighty Fitz, the Big Fitz, the Pride of the American side. The Toledo Express, and finally, most ominously, the Titanic of the Great Lakes. And I gotta assume that this was, like, post-wreck. Because why would you ever call a ship the Titanic? Doesn't matter. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah, that's... I believe the Greeks had a word for that. <laughs> dumb. It was dumb. It was yeah, dumb. 
<laughs> 15,000 people attended her launch, Josh. 15,000. In 1969, is... she hauled a record load of three th- of 30,690 tons of taconite ore. She hauled taconite ore for 17 years. It took about four and a half hours to load her and then 14 hours to unload her. By November... This is truly like America, fuck yeah, the boat. Yeah. Like, that's what this is. Yeah, it really is. By by November of 75, she had logged 18... Or no, sorry. She had logged 748 trips through the Great Lakes, which culminated in 44 trips around the world total. So, like, you took the amount of mileage she put down by 75. Figure she was born in 58. By 75, Mm -hmm. she had lapped the world 44 times. God, what a badass. What a badass. This shit bums me the fuck out because of how awesome she was, dude. (laughs) And now we're all horned up for it. So let's talk about the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. We, yep, we got it. We got it. We got it. On November 9th, 1975 at 2 p.m., uh, she left Superior, Wisconsin, captained by Ernest McSorley. Ernest McSorley was known as a hard weather captain, which basically means he was a fucking badass. This dude had seen the shit, mm-hmm. he had been in the shit, and did not put up with the shit. He looked at nature and said, Nature, you go fuck yourself. I'm getting this taconite to wherever the fuck it's got to go. Like, if there is a big swing and lake on big swing and dick in the lakes, it is Ernest McSorley. So mm. she's going from Superior, Wisconsin to Zug Island in Detroit. She's carrying twenty six thousand tons of taconite ore. At five PM she is joined by her sister ship, the Arthur M. Anderson, captained by Jesse Cooper. Also called Bernie, which is weird to me. I don't know how Bernie is short for Jesse. For our purposes, we're just gonna call him Captain Cooper. And sure, uh, sure. the Anderson was headed for Gary, Indiana. The weather, the weather report called for a typical a, a storm that was typical for the time, but it was going to pass south of the lakes, and it would clear it by 7 a.m. Now, this is where we get dicey. Captain Dudley Paquette of the Wilford Sykes, he said that the storm wasn't going to go south. No, it was going to blow right over the fucking top of the lake. And it did. At 7 p.m., wow. the National the National Weather Service registered gale warnings. The Anderson and the Edmund Fitzgerald decided to follow the Ontario shoreline to, like, you know, get some protection. Not unlike the two ships, the the Morel and the, um, oh, whatever she was called. The Morel and the Thompson splitting paths and trying to, like, seek shelter. Mm. At 1 a.m., the Edmund Fitzgerald hit the storm. She reported 60-mile-an-hour winds with 10-foot waves. Really not that bad. But... Yeah, yeah. 60 mile an hour wind is pretty fucking rough. By 2 a.m., the gale storm warnings on the lake were upgraded by the National Weather Service to a storm warning. But the Edmund Fitzgerald pulled ahead of the Arthur Anderson because she was a faster ship. She was bigger. She was better. She was she was just better. And that's all she there was to good. it. She was too good. She was too good. Too fucking. Was, honestly, was this folly. was her fucking hubris. Like, too, yeah. just better than you. She could because you too couldn't. Strong. And this was it. By 2.45, it started to snow. And that's when the Arthur Anderson lost sight of the Edmund Fitzgerald. At 3.30 in the morning, Captain McSorley reported to Cooper saying that he had lost two of his vent covers and a fence railing. So these are the covers that like go over the top of the uh, cargo holds, as well as the railing over the top of the ship. That like it's, it's the railing over the ship, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he had lost it. 
He then said that he was going to slow down and try and give Cooper a chance to make up the distance and gap between the two of them because he was kind of getting worried. By 4.10 p.m., McSorley called Cooper saying that he had lost his radar. He then asked Cooper to ping him and try and figure out where he was in relation to anything at all because, again, they did not have radar. Cooper directed the Edmund Fitzgerald to Whitefish Bay. By 4.39, so this is half an hour later, um, McSorley radioed the Coast Guard at Whitefish Bay to make sure that the uh, lighthouse light as well as the navigational beacon were active. The Coast Guard reported that both were active. However, a Captain Cedric Woodard of the um, A Favor, I don't know how you say it, Afavor, A Favor, he reported the, that the lighthouse was active, but the navigational beacon was not active. Later, McSorley radioed into Whitefish Bay to Captain Cedric Woodard, I have a bad list. Both, I've lost both radars and taking heavy seas over the deck. This is the worst sea I have ever been in. Captain Cooper of the Anderson reported 20 foot, 25 foot waves and wind speeds of 80 plus miles an hour, as well as 35 foot high rogue waves. At 7:15, Anderson called McSorley or, or Cooper called McSorley asking for an update. He reported that quote We are holding our own. Ten minutes after that, Anderson re- reported that he had lost contact. Or God damn it, sorry, I wrote. I wrote the boats' names as well as the captains' names and used them interchangeably, and I'm like, oh, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Sorry. It's all right, buddy. Ten minutes later, Captain Cooper reported that he had lost contact with the Edmund Fitzgerald. At 7.39 p.m., he called the Coast Guard in Salt St. Marie on their emergency channel saying, hey, I have lost contact with the Edmund Fitzgerald. Something's wrong. The Coast Guard responded saying, okay, it's a problem, but not the worst, because they know that the Edmund Fitzgerald at this time is the goddamn juggernaut of the Great Lakes. She is going to be okay. And spoilers, she is not. He kept trying to raise the Coast Guard in alarm because he had not heard from them. At 7.45, at 8.25, then at 9.03, again, reporting them missing over and over again. The Coast Guard oh, said boy. that they could not spare ships for a search and rescue because they were so they were stretched so thin as a result of this horrendous-ass storm. They then asked any ships in Whitefish Bay for any aid in searching for the Edmund Fitzgerald. Anderson, who was the last ship, the Arthur Anderson, who was the last ship to see her, reported seeing reported that he was that they were right behind her, and they should be there shortly. I I listened to the um. I listened to the account. I listened to the radio and I might put it in here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so bad, Josh. It's, it's the coast guard asking uh, Cooper to go back out. And he basically goes, look, I've just been out. She was right behind us. She should have been here. She's not. I cannot go back out because I do not want to risk my crew for it. Cause again, this is a terrible storm. It's one of the worst I've right. seen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you, well, well, and like, because that's like, it, I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but like, all of my like years of like first aid training, yeah, like the like the like when when you see somebody that appears to need your help, the very first thing you do is you check the surroundings to like make sure that you don't like get zapped by this downed power line. Or like swept in this like flame or whatever, because because that just adds more bodies. Yeah, that people need to like deal with. So like I I totally get that. Like I totally get why that guy's like, look, like I can't, I can't. 
Yeah, and it <sighs> and you cannot you can't blame um Cooper for this one. It's not on him. It's not it's not his no, fault. Like no. And basically no. just said like there's no fucking feasible way I can do this. I can't risk my crew. I was just out there. We can't do it again. Yeah. So the Coast Guard couldn't spare ships. They asked any ship in Whitefish Bay for help. At 10.30 p.m., the Coast Guard contacted Whitefish Bay, asking for any help from vessels available for a rescue operation for the Edmund Fitzgerald. The Anderson launched one of them alongside alongside another ship called the William Clay Ford. A search plane was dispatched, a fixed-wing search plane was dispatched at 10.53 p.m., and then finally a helicopter from Canada with a uh, super powerful light was dispatched at 1 a.m. on the 11th. So this is the next morning. Yeah. As far as we know, Josh, the Edmund Fitzgerald sank about 17 miles south of Whitefish Bay on the Canadian side of the lakes. We don't know what happened. But what we do know is, so number one, the Whitefish Point by this, the Whitefish Point on the lakes by this point had claimed 240 ships since, like, white folks had been in the area, which is fucking insane to me. 240 uh, ships. Which, okay, so, so like, even if you're going to, like, raise the money to, like, fund a, like, submersible to go check it out, okay, you have, like, a 1 in 240 chance of, like, finding... Nothing. Nothing at all. And that's it. The wreck itself was not found until May 28th of 1976. So what is that, eight months later? Mm -hmm. An unmanned submersible, um, it found the two halves of the ship at 530 feet of water. The bow was at two, so the bow section was at 276 feet, with the stern being 253 feet. The bow was sticking upright in the water, or in the mud. With uh, yeah, the right. taconite ore scattered between the two points. So all of her cargo was like spread in between her. And that's crazy important. In 1980, uh, Jacques Cousteau's son, Jean-Michael Cousteau. And I feel bad for this dude because everything that I read and or listened to and or watched about this guy identifies him as Jacques Cousteau's son. He sent divers... He, he organized an expedition and he found, he sent divers and they found the wreck. And from everything that they could find, they said that, well, no, she broke up on the surface because so there's two mm. halves of the ship with the taconite spread between the two. And that's a really good indicator that she was up on top and then like sank. And as she was sinking, like busted and yeah. 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 Mm. So that's the Edmund Fitzgerald. She sank, but we don't know what happened to her. There were a number of yeah. dives conducted after the initial like finding of the wreck site. So many so that the family members of the Fitzgerald started complaining and saying, like, look, these are our family members. Stop poking yeah. around. So much so that the Canadian government said, okay, sure, we're going to go ahead and close the site there, eh? Sorry. Sorry. But so what killed her, Josh? <laughs> the answer is we don't know. Uh, there are several theories. Number one, I talked about the white blizzard way, way, way back two hours ago. Mm-hmm. And it's just intense rain and wind and storms. And that, it, it sunk her. It was too much. The waves went, went up and over and sunk her. The rogue wave theory is a big one. Um, mm-hmm. Captain Cooper reported seeing 35-foot-high rogue waves. There's also the three sisters. We talked about that earlier, about the three the, the succession mm-hmm. of three waves. 
one, two, yep. three. And the first one three. bogs her down. The second one bogs her down further. And the third one devastates. That might be it. Yeah. There is the, the, the prevailing theory is that the cargo hold flooded. Um, some of the hatch covers were not in place. And according to divers, mm. like some divers will say that the hatch covers that should have covered up the cargo hold, which, and this is a big deal. Like you keep water out of the ship using these hatch covers. It, 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 you know, the, the water splashes over the top of them. McSorley being a hard weather captain, Apparently it was kind of a maverick and would say, ah, nah, fuck it. We're not going to do it. Don't, don't, don't cover up. But I don't buy that Um, because he had talked about losing railing and some of the covers. So yeah. 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 At some point she started taking on water and that's what happened. Or or, you know what I mean? Like it would have gotten into the hold. That was it for sure. For sure. At least the cargo hold flooded and that's what kind of bogged her down. The hatch covers were broken and like the, the welds are broken on them. That could be part of it. Okay. There's another theory saying that she raked a leaf or wow. Try that again. She raked a leaf. Wow. Okay. Just say raked. mm, Fucking dark and stormies. She raked a reef along six fathom shoal, but there's no evidence that like she actually hit anything. Cause you, a a ship hits a thing. You'd see it, you know? Yeah. you're right. Yeah, there'll be some physical evidence. Yeah. To, hmm. But earlier on, I mentioned the Superior Shoal, which was discovered after the Fitzgerald wrecked. It's basically an underwater yeah. mountain in the middle of Lake Superior. Its its height ranges from okay, and I had a hard time with this. So at its highest, it's twenty two feet deep in the lake. At its lowest, it's four hundred feet deep in the lake. Hmm. Um, a student named Paul Hainault posited that at some point the Fitzgerald was picked up. When she was picked up by a wave, she was set down on one of the crests of the Superior Shoal. Because the water level would have been higher, they would have not calculated that the shoal was in this area. When she was picked up and set back down, that's what cracked her hull in the bottom. And that's what made her split in half. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe. Another theory is that she broke because of stress fractures. We talked about the three sisters. The multiple waves hitting her in the middle probably would have done the ship in. Accounts of anybody that served on the Edmund Fitzgerald said that during storms she would bow severely. And she was made to do this, but after a while, bowing isn't, like, safe. Bowing becomes dangerous. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Honestly... It's a combination of probably all of them. We don't know. Some people blame McSorley saying because he was a hard weather captain, he was irresponsible. But he also reported that he was missing, you know, the fence line and the hatch covers, which leads me to believe that he was picked up. He did scrape something and that's what fucked him. And he had no idea of it. Now. Yeah. Whatever happened because of it, it it doesn't matter. The Edmund Fitzgerald sank. Uh, a number of dives were conducted until the Canadian government said no more, except for one more final dive that was held on July 4th, 1995. This dive recovered the ship's bell, and when the ship's bell was brought back to the surface and uh, taken to the Maritime, Sa- or the Maritime Sailors Cathedral in Michigan, the, the bell was rang 29 times for everybody on the Edmund Fitzgerald, and then one more time for the estimated 30,000 lives that the Great Lakes have claimed. I mean, 
Well, it, this was like one of the very first things that you said, um, getting into our topic here, is, is like the, 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 the Great Lakes, yeah, they're all but like seas or even like there are they are of, an inland kind of like sea they are an inland sea the only thing that stops that qualification is that they are fresh water not salt water and that's yeah, such and, a and shitty so like, point to make right like yeah it's it, it is it it, it <sighs> which again it's like yes on the one hand like greed and cutting corners and cutting costs and all that like definitely led to I'm, I'm sure like lots of these shipwrecks but but there's a part of me too that also kind of goes back to like yeah but we were like still a growing country and like canada and 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 all these other not in 1960s though that, or not 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 look, 1970 like no that ship yeah, true, to, true. to not make that joke, but that fucking ship had already sailed. Yeah, very true, very true, and and it is. It's like, yeah, we 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 try to like tell ourselves like, oh no, this is the latest model with the with the best equipment, and it's built one foot short of like the 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 lock that it needs to pass through and still like despite all of that like just we can get our like shit kicked in yeah and and oh man and just real quick i'm gonna read you this little bit because this is the most like to me this is again this is just my like takeaway from it this comes from a survey conducted in 1994 um, the placement does not support the hypothesis that the ship plunged to the bottom in one piece, breaking apart when it struck bottom. If this were true, the two sections would be closer. In addition, the angle, repose, and mounting of clay and mud in the site re- indicate the stern rolled over on the surface, spilling taconite ore pellets from several cargo from its severed cargo hold, and that landed and the portions of the cargo hold itself. So that she definitely split on the surface, like it's. Yeah. So there is a little bit of good that came out of this tragedy because again, like, man, I don't know, at least if for, in the case of the Edmund Fitzgerald, if that wreck could have been prevented, but, um, McSorley yeah. did report the loss of both of his radars, all of his state of the art navigation equipment pretty much amounted for shit. And so some good came out of this in 1977, yeah. the coast guard made a requirement for all vessels to have, um, depth finders, which, Durr. Durr, yeah. <laughs> in 1980, survival suits were made a requirement aboard fucking every single ship. Which, okay, great. <laughs> they also have strobe lights affixed to the jackets so we can find them now. Awesome. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, A positioning system for navigation on the Great Lakes was implemented in 1980 and then later replaced by GPS in the 1990s. So, okay, technology progresses. Cool. Yeah. You great, got the great. Eureka event for that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Getting another Civ joke. Uh, put it on your bingo card there, listeners. <laughs> navigational charts for uh, Superior were. Or, try it again. Navigational charts for Lake Superior were improved for accuracy and greater detail. Oh boy. Should have done that already. Uh, Noah revised its methods for predicting wave heights. That's a big one. Because, again, like, mm-hmm. that's one of the weird controversies is like. Um, 
Cooper reported on the Anderson that he was seeing 35 foot rogue waves, which that is well above the waterline rail of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And it's also the idea that like, and I don't know how this works, but as storm pressure happens, the lake height will rise and fall, which doesn't make sense to me, but like, it's a different way of tracking how the waves move and shit. So it's a good thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 Probably more like standardized universal kind of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The 1973 load line regulation. So that's how much you can put in. It was changed to, it was changed to not let this happen again. Cause really one of the biggest thing, the biggest faults of this was the Edmund Fitzgerald was not overloaded, but boy, was she heavy. Like, so it took, I, I, and I didn't say this cause I thought it was tedious. It took her four and a half hours to reach the maximum speed of 16 miles an hour because of how heavy she was. But after Holy she shit. hit that point, that's when she pulled ahead of the Arthur Anderson. So it's right. Right. Yeah. And so they were, they, they kind of revised the regulation on that. And finally, like the U S coast guard began the annual pre November inspection program recommended by recommended to coast guard inspectors now board all us ships during the fall to inspect the hatch and vent closures and life-saving equipment so basically because of the wreck of the Edmund fitzgerald we now get to check our fucking life jackets twice uh, i'm being uh, reductive about it but it's part of it like yeah but but, but also I, I think like uh uh going back to with the lady elgin it's it's very sad. Mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking. It's horrific. But it it is. It's that we we suffer and then we know we suffer. We have now. some we 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 have some tragedy. We have some like horrific event happen. It's like okay, shit. What can we do to make sure that doesn't happen again, or yeah. like at least try to make sure that doesn't happen again? And yeah, all these things that were probably overdue. Um, probably Definitely. could have been. Definitely implemented overdue. sooner uh but 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 it, unfortunately call it the human condition call it whatever yeah it just it it unfortunately does take some some travesty to like kind of shock everybody away it was like oh uh yeah um let's make sure every vessel has a depth finder <laughs> it's terrible <laughs> and like, not like mm. a lead weight on a string like let's Let's try to do something different than that. <laughs> and that's where we're at. Like 29 people died on the Edmund Fitzgerald. It was a complete loss. It was a total loss of life. And yeah. we don't know what happened. No one knows. We yeah. probably will never know. The site is now closed. It is an, uh, what do you call it? A living memorial or a living gravesite. Oh yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You cannot dive there now. Like I said, they pulled the bell of the ship up in 1995 and they rang it 29 times. For everybody yeah, that died on that, and then an extra one for the 30,000 lost in the lake. And goddamn, man. Which, I, Great Lakes, Great Lakes shipping disasters. An anthill that I never thought that I would kick. An anthill that I never thought would oh, deserve I'm, I'm kicking sure. by me. And here I am as a wizard, and I, I almost yeah, feel like, like wizard... I didn't do it enough justice. <laughs> like, what, what, yeah, like, and like, yeah, we. We two wizards, still Colorado boys, even though I happen to be living in Ohio yeah, right now. Good enough. But 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 like your even your that, placement like, there gives it like uh, what do you call that credence? 
what well yes and the yeah dozen or so times that i've been up to cleveland and seen lake erie and it is like like going back to what you're saying before that that like those are the equivalent the equivalent of seas minus the fact they're fresh and not salt water yeah um no but like you look out and like you just see water like you don't see the canadian side um and 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 yeah like this like this topic i'm sure could be an entire full other podcast but we are just two mere wizards and we're doing our best so listen well and mark you even like mentioned some of your resources and one of them was another podcast right uh 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 yeah it's called sorry this one was fucking indispensable and i honestly think i'm gonna like go back and listen to it well and we can the, like the, at them the, the cornfield meat podcast and their the deal is uh so okay so like and it's really gross their deal is uh uh transportation and shipping disasters and apparently a cornfield mm. meat is when two uh locomotives collide on the same track Ugh. Well, well, and like just that rate. was enough but like their their episode of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald is super comprehensive and way more in depth than I did but like dude after the Marill and then the uh, Elgin dude I was so fucking depressed I couldn't I didn't want to go deeper than that right. shit like right, I right. should well, well, I didn't like that's not what two wizards are here for I just want to talk about right. like we, Precisely. We joked about it. Like, we just joked about, like, this time last year, a year ago, you even made the joke of, I have this beer called the Edmund Fitzgerald. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and all I got out of it is you said it sank on November 10th. I was like, oh, yeah, that's my mom's birthday. No. And then I fucking got into it and I realized this one was going to release yeah. on November the 10th of 2021. So I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll do an Edmund Fitzgerald. And then I, I I got to look and I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. Let's do like Great Lakes Rex. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about my research, but I do, right. but I don't. And it's, I'm in a really well, weird I, spot with it. Like, well, well, and maybe this will, I don't know if this will help. I hope it will. But, but even what I said, like at the midway point, like even the fact that we are still telling these stories, we're still sharing these names I it even for being two two wizards raised in a landlocked state, like I still think that's doing some justice and some honor to these individuals that like had to battle crazy circumstances, yeah. and sometimes they came out and sometimes they didn't. But but we two wizards we will absolutely pour one out for all the thirty thousand lives. Um, that the Great Lakes have claimed, and this is this is also turning into perhaps one of our more somber episodes. But but that's okay. Not that's somber. Okay just sometimes. I I wanted to take a beat, and I, Josh, yeah. man, like there's so much we don't even know, and it's it's right. beautiful yeah. and terrible. But you know what, too, and also not to like not to even cheapen it or shortchange it, but like you don't hear mm-hmm. about every plane that lands, you don't hear about yeah. every train that makes it to the station, like. For right. for every yeah. tragedy, like there there's still a couple like hundred victories, and that's a very good. And that's point. like the and, and, weird and yes. point of human condition is doesn't matter what the outcome is, just man, get her done. You know, you you gotta try. You got yeah. you just gotta try. Yeah. That goddamn that's the old demand, Josh. I think I've hit it now. Like what a year it. and a half mm-hmm. into it, 
the ode to man isn't like man is capable of great wonders. No, just man will attempt great wonders, and he will always attempt great wonders. Like, yeah, we we will be pig-headed enough to look at the goddamn Great Lakes and go, "Eh, I'll fucking sail through it, going to dick." (laughs) And and yeah, and you still got to wake up and put on your boots and put on your pea coat and yeah. Time to make the donuts, baby. So, <laughs> so, 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 yes. So, 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 Mark, I know that this is like this is an episode that you've been working on and has been in, on your mind for for many months now. And I want to commend you, sir, for like doing a great job. Oh, thank with you, that. buddy. Thank you. And 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 absolutely. So, you listeners, uh, tell tell us what you thought about this episode, because because we also got like kind of real in some places. We we got real, um, but like share share with us. Like, are you also in the Great Lakes region? I check our stats, and I see we get downloads from uh, Michigan and Wisconsin and Minnesota. Y'all are out um, there, yeah. Yeah, you, you're there, and like, tell us, like, like, is that some of your family's history? Is that something that, fuck it, like, maybe you're right now piloting a boat on the Great Lakes, listening to the Two Words of Podcast, and holy shit, like, if if that's you, drink to you, sir or madam. Hell yeah, take a picture and send it to us because we want to see that and we want to honor you as well. You can send us an email um, to. Two Wizards Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Two Wizards Pod C1. Uh, me, just just me. You can find me, Josh, on Twitter at Plaid Barbarian. And Mark, how can these wonderful people find you? You can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter. You can also find me at the other uh, House High Hammock podcast, uh, Dangle Podcast, uh, King of the Hill Podcast, where we review King of the Hill. Sounds grossly inappropriate to plug it right now, but whatever. And uh, well, but but yeah. still, yeah, yeah. But well, and, and well, and also, we are coming up in one week. One week from today, mark your calendars. We know you've already had to reset your clocks because of goddamn daylight savings time. Um, but one week from today, we are having our special mailbag episode. So anything that you want us to talk about, any questions you have, if you're gonna put us in the hot seat and grill us about this or that, send it our way. Uh, Cause a week from today, we will be responding to your, your emails, your DMS, your Insta snaps, whatever they call it now. I don't your know. Cyber I'm an old man. <laughs> your cyber bullies. <laughs> that too. Um, so, so, so yeah, uh, send whatever questions or comments or things you want to know about me and Mark and we'll have our premiere uh, mailbag episode. Got our first one. We're doing well. We got it. We we got several in the bag so far. And <gasps> woo yeah, woo. just let us know, guys. We're 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 man. Anything you want to know, we'll talk about it. Like, yeah, it's all good. All options on the table. All options are on the table. And uh, once again, Mark, well done. Congratulations on uh, steering a. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very, very, like, amazing, amazing episode. An amazing episode. Thank here. you, sir. Thank um, you. And uh, just to close it out here, uh, I'm Josh, and I'm a wizard. My name is Mark. I'm a wizard. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for letting me get all this off my chest. I feel so much yeah, better. Yeah, because you've been... 
God damn. This I, has been... I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't know this was where this was going to end up. And fucking A, do I feel better. This <sighs> has been sitting in your cargo holds for months on end. And you've <sighs> guided safely into port. You're starting the like 14-hour offloading process. Just that. And, 14 uh, hours to goddamn unload your cargo. Like, you could go <laughs> fuck off for a day and a half. You roll into port. All right, unload. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go watch Zack Snyder's Justice League three times. All right. See you, boys. <laughs> Where are them, like, dock wenches at? <laughs> Hey, where are the dock wenches at? (laughs) Oh, man. All right, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening. We love you all. Good night, everybody. He rolled upon his back, and after that, I killed them all! Ah!